it tastes like a bad asshole. Like, uh, I don't know. Ass like, out of hell? Like Oprah's asshole. <laughs> Jesus. Well, while this is going on, we may as well explain the off-time drive drinking game. Uh, whenever you hear a fucking loud-ass ambulance coming by in the background, go ahead and take a drink. That's how we do things here at Off-Time Jive, ladies and gentlemen, because this is Midtown Manhattan. This is, this is going to go on forever. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, say goodbye to your liver, and let's get this pajama party started. All right, good enough. Hello and welcome to Off Time Jive. My name is Tyler Pino. And I am still recovering from Fantastic Four. Are ya? Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, there's a lot of news coming out about that. Oh, yes. Apparently, this was the... This was the Brady Bunch reunion of the film industry. The Brady Bunch reunion? What do you mean by that? Just, I don't get it. It scars people. Was there... Is that a thing? Is it not? What do you mean, the Brady Bunch reunion? Uh, do they have, like, a disastrous reunion show? Well, I just remember Ivan Ooze mentioning it in Mighty... You don't remember that? There was a scene from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, where he was like, All the things that I've missed! The Black Plague! The Spanish Inquisition! The Brady Bunch reunion! I do vaguely remember that, but, <laughs> uh... There was a... There were, there were two Brady Bunch movies. I don't remember there being a reunion, though. Really? Yeah. You know, I actually, uh, Wet Hot American Summer is on Netflix. I've been thinking of checking that out. Apparently I've heard fantastic. that it's very interesting because they're all in their 40s and yeah, they're, they're still playing teenagers. Yeah, yeah. But, anyways, hello and welcome to Off Time Jive. My name is Michael Holler. My name is also Michael Holler. So, yeah, Fantastic Four news. Um, Jesus Christ, it feels like something new comes out every day. Yeah, apparently uh, director Joshua Trank, uh, the house they were staying at during production... He like, obliterated the house. I've, you know, I've been trying to figure out who do you think is the bad guy? Like, do you think that it's him? Do you think he's a complete asshole? Or is this the studio kind of uh, trying to make it seem as if he, he was the one who ruined it? Because there's a little back and forth. Because mm-hmm. he said that he has a version of this movie, or he, he originally wanted to shoot a version of this movie that was much different than what we originally saw. And, you know, it, and I'm inclined to believe that. Yeah, there, there are points of the movie where you can tell that someone might have at one point quite possibly almost giving them the benefit of the doubt may have had a good idea. And then someone went out of their way intentionally to fuck everything up. Well, that's what it is, man. It's like it's that body horror movie. I think that would be interesting. And you you hire a guy like Josh Trank. He was the director of Chronicle. Before that, he'd only directed some lightsaber fight on YouTube. Did you hear about that? No, really. That's, was that's, it Ryan vs. Dorkman? Because that was the only uh, lightsaber fight on YouTube that I... I don't know. I haven't seen it. I just keep hearing about it. He directed a thing where uh, it, it was a was lightsaber Was it found footage? Fight. Yeah, kind of, because it looks like it shot on a cell phone. Um, and it's just two people fighting with uh, rotoscope lightsabers. Huh. Like, he did the lightsaber effect, but it's like... That's probably much better than fan stick. Eh, probably. 
But yeah, no, apparently like he, he got he like defaced all the family portraits in this man's house. Uh, he like destroyed, he obliterated, he broke furniture, and uh, I guess that was just settled out of court with Fox Studios. I heard he would come to set like high as balls. Oh and, yeah, like, to the point wasted, where he couldn't yeah. breathe. Now I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know if this is true. But but I don't know. Listening to that Kevin Smith interview, um, which was kind of painfully boring. Hate to say it. Well, imagine uh, the film. It was four parts. It's not even done yet. I don't know if they're going to release the fourth part after all of this happened. <laughs> Just imagine Kevin Smith, like, after this fiasco, like, okay, so Fantastic Four, like, what happened? I would love to, oh man, maybe they re record it and they, uh, they talk about, you know, what happened, and he goes candid. Because this, this is like a career-ending fucking Oh, movie, yeah, dude. no. If this, it, this guy, like... There, there are people like J.J. Abrams who... They'll do films, they'll get the big-budget film from the studio with J.J. Abrams. His first big-budget thing was Mission Impossible 3, and that's kind of like... It sets, you know, where he's going. And Joshua Trank by Fox Studios, he was described as, like, the in-house J.J. Abrams. Uh, I don't... Don't ask why. That's okay. how they described him. Um, and they, I guess, they're very confident in this project. And Fox has... They, they have a horrendous track record of micromanaging film projects... And apparently this was the one. This was the one where they were going to step back and allow, like, director creative control. This was the one that step they were removing themselves from it. And, of course, you know, they had to redraft the script. Um, but other than that, I guess they left their hands out of it until they were about halfway through production and they had to step in. They did a lot of reshooting, yes, and it's they conspicuous. Did. We didn't even talk about it on the last episode. But no, we segments didn't. We, were, movie. we were so fucking befuddled about what we had just seen last time we talked about this that I think now that we've given it a chance to settle in, we're, we're a little calmer, yeah. uh, a little more removed from the situation. We, we also recorded slighted. it immediately after. Immediately <laughs> after, yeah. So imagine like someone punching you in the face and then having to write them a thank you note for the birthday present they got you last it, year. It was cathartic. It was kind of us getting out of our demons. But um, they, I still have some in me. You have a lot of things in you. You know what I mean. Dex. <laughs> um, so there are, you know, conspicuous instances of of them having reshot this. The most uh, telling portion is that Kate Mara, the girl that plays Invisible Woman, she she dyed her hair blonde for the movie in the beginning of it. Because that's not her natural hair color, from what I understand. Um, after the movie was wrapped, she went out and she was her normal hair. So they had to get her a wig, like a really terrible-looking wig, uh, so they could go back and reshoot the sequences. Now, I think that the first part of the movie is probably closer to his vision of it, where people are, you know, they get on it because it's boring, there's not a lot of action beats. Apparently, they cut, like, three or four action scenes from it. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there are shots in the trailer that, if you, if you remember seeing the trailer, the trailers were quite good. I mean, the first one kind yeah, of sucked. interesting. Yeah, they, they, like, they had a very intriguing vibe. Now, that intriguing vibe is completely non-existent in the film. But there were shots where, like, the thing would be dropped from, like, a helicopter, or not a helicopter, like a stealth plane, and you'd land in this military base, he'd be, like, ripping tanks right. apart with his bare hands, and they removed all of that from the film. Um, we get one, I would say, and a half action scenes. The one is the final confrontation with them and Victor Von Zool, um, <laughs> and the point five is an earlier confrontation where Reed punches... 
for armed military personnel. It wasn't even really an action sequence. It was like an escape sequence. It was like a minor skirmish. But I feel like they probably shot a lot of stuff. Obviously, the thing that we saw in the trailer was the thing. Um, jumping from a, a, a plane of some sort and landing. On a Humvee. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest on the fucking show right now. Yeah, that's right. Shut up. But that wasn't in the no, movie. No, no. This, this movie was... I, God, we need to have, like, trigger warnings. Everything now has to have a trigger warning. Like, can you imagine going to a classroom and it's like, okay, listen, I know this is going to sound weird, but I can't see or hear the number four. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and two times two, everybody is four. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was bad. But, uh, so, yeah, hearing about Josh Trank's offstage antics, apparently he almost got into a fist fight with Miles Teller. Really? Yeah. Um, it said that it never escalated to the point that they actually came to blows. But as you were talking, we were talking about it earlier, um, he was he was directing the actors in such a way that you don't direct actors. He was yeah, using he was, them as he props. Was, he was telling, well, he was George Lucasing them. He was telling them, like, when to blink, when to breathe, in order to apparently get out the worst most lifeless performances from these actors. Now, telling someone when to blink and when to breathe, I, I could see happening in very a very narrow set of instances. Like, if you're in... Um, if you're just doing if a close-up shot... you're shooting an underwater sequence. Well, if you're doing, like, a reaction shot or something to... Not, like, a reaction shot to another actor where you're talking to somebody, but maybe, like, you're on a computer that doesn't actually exist. And he has it in his mind where, like, oh, she needs to gasp now, or he needs to blink then for, you know, just cinematic effect. Um, I could see doing that, but you don't want to micromanage someone's performance to the point that they're no longer actually living and breathing as this other human being. Because that's the idea is that yeah you're embodying this character you are you are just living in the moment you're not planning out what you're gonna do you know what your lines are obviously but you want to get as close to spontaneous as you could possibly get and that's what acting is and you know he opened up a black hole he's going to destroy our world I think that's probably you know an instance of that happening yeah. it was god it was lifeless that entire last sequence was fucking lifeless. Well, apparently what they had to do was they had to hire Drew Goddard to, like, salvage really? what he could. Yeah, and he came in. They moved the production all to a studio in Fox, uh, which is very apparent, um, in order to rewrite the last act of the movie uh, to include Victor Von Zool. And, um, yeah, I guess they couldn't get all the actors back at the same time, so a lot of it was just they are using either their stunt doubles or lookalikes or they're against green screens. Uh, and that's why the last act of the film, a lot of the close-up reaction shots and everything is just of Miles Teller because he was probably the most available. Everybody drink. Everybody take a shot of Monster infused with a lot of sugar. It's um, not even sugar. It's that shit that you always threaten to put in it. <laughs> Michael ruined my uh, beverage. Listen, you can't ruin Monster anymore than you can. Um, didn't make sense. Yes, it did. If you, if you didn't make sense. Oh. Anyways, but yeah, they had to, like... Fucking the last act of the movie is a complete and utter train wreck. I mean, the, the movie is, like, painfully dull and boring and lifeless and poorly written and poorly acted and poorly scripted and badly edited. And 
the cinematography's the cinematography is actually okay, but everything takes place in a laboratory, and everything's very flat and boring, so it doesn't matter. Um, and then the last act just makes it even worse. But um, well, the, but the yeah, last just, act was to a movie that didn't exist. Yeah. It was it was a battle sequence that did not belong there. Yeah. There was no build up toward it. Yeah. It looked like they were building up towards a military confrontation, but that's not what happened. Yeah, but I mean, like there there have been times too where like. Uh, people have rewritten last acts of films and they'd reshoot it and it'd be a big success. Now, World War Z, the film that came out two years ago, I believe, with Brad Pitt, uh, based not at all on the source material, um, the last act of it had to be rewritten, completely reshot, because the original ending of the film was the only sequence that was like the book, where they're in Moscow, Russia, and everyone were given these shovel things to, like, kill the zombies, and they were using old and sick people as human shields for this whole catastrophe um, and then the studio's like okay we need to we need to rethink this so they completely rewrote reshot the entire final act of the film and uh, they went drastically over budget and you know there are a lot of stories like Brad Pitt he was traveling from movie theater to movie theater in every state the night of the premiere to try and like you know talk the movie up and it, it did well like it was Brad Pitt's highest grossing film ever um, um, yeah, and uh, it was financially very successful, which is leading to the sequel, World War Z2, which is stupid, well, but... That, I mean, that's just an example of something getting saved in post-production, which happens sometimes. Yeah, Very Star Wars rarely. Was, Star, Star Wars, Wars was is the famous example. Yeah. This movie, I feel like it was a catastrophe at first. The dailies were horrible. And they just didn't know what to do in editing, so they just handed it off to an intern. They said, all right, slap it together. I mean, that's what it looks like. I'm sure what happened was they, you know, they got two-thirds of the way through the film. Um, You know, Josh Trank had this idea that was very bold, and then the studio said, no, this can't, this isn't the Fantastic Four. But the thing is, they already tried the Fantastic Four twice, and it wasn't great. But, you know... It's 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 funny though because that is now like the best iteration of the Fantastic Four we've had. Yeah, I guess in movies, maybe the one from the nineties that never got released. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But I, I said it on the last show. I don't think that the Fantastic Four is a terribly great property. I mean, I would much rather see something like what I assume to be Trank's original vision than I would the other movie. I mean, the other movie was a pretty straightforward adaptation. But I look at the Fantastic Four, and I'm like, why are they superheroes? None of them, they're scientists. Then they get irradiated, and they get all these powers, and they're like, okay, we got to go save the world? Why? (laughs) I think that a scientist's main reaction to that would be like, oh, shit. i got to science myself out of this one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and if nothing else, like, the new Fantastic film has... Made me. I haven't because I didn't like those movies in the first place. But I, it makes me want to go back and watch those movies because even though they're bad, you know, I mean, I do remember that cast having some semblance of a chemistry. Like they worked well together. Like the four of them on screen. This movie had the insanely good idea. Um, to have a Fantastic Four movie where literally every scene, there's only one or maybe two characters in that scene together. You know? Like, if you think about that film, all the scenes were 
everyone was independent from each other. And it just felt like they didn't like each other. They weren't cohesive. They had no teamwork skills. Um, and that's not to say, like, it was payoff at the end where, like, we need to work as a team. It's just they didn't, they didn't need to be there at all. So, I don't know. It was just painful. Yeah, the so whole I, affair was painful. I, I've got the article where I read this right here. This is com- um, coming from a site called comicbookmovie.com, which I don't I, really pull things from often, so I don't know. I know of them. Okay. Well, it says, Trank actually com- campaigned heavily to get Miles Teller cast as Reed Richards, but during the shoot, things went bad between the two. Where it is, Trank's withdrawn, uncommunicative demeanor didn't sit right with Teller, reportedly not the easiest guy to get along with himself, and his sarcastic responses to the situation finally brought the two into conflict. At one point, the men were apparently chest to chest, each daring the other to throw the first punch. That didn't happen, but as you can imagine, it is not the most positive working environment to be in afterwards. Trank is also said to have been a dick to Kate Mara, who he never wanted in the role of Sue Storm in the first place. I haven't, I didn't hear that. That I didn't hear either. I, although I did hear that Joshua Trank had a, uh, he set up a little black tent for himself that had all the monitors in, and it would be in the corner, like secluded from everyone else, and that's where the, uh, the footage from the cameras would go, and so, he'd just sit in it, away from everyone, not communicating with anyone at all. So basically, Fox just chose the wrong Star Wars director to make that comparison to. Yeah, When saying much. that they had the in-house J.J. This is the in-house George Lucas, Lucas, I guess. Yeah. Like, like a super George Lucas. I want to I wanna do as little moving out of this chair as possible. See, but, I mean, again, I, I don't know if any of this crap is true. I don't know who's saying what, but... Uh, the, the difference between Fan Stick and The Phantom Menace was that in The Phantom Menace, they shot actors just against a green screen for two hours. This They shot actors against a gray concrete wall for two hours. Yeah. I, man, this movie, man, this movie. I don't, th- this can't be, be, this, I'm calling it now, this will be the worst film of 2015. Unless, yeah, unless something of epic proportions comes by. And this was, this was a summer with some pretty bad movies. I mean, we've had really good movies, but yeah, we have had some bad ones as well. But this, I, I think that this is my, this year's Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. This, uh, this this is the one that it... After seeing this movie, I didn't want to read a comic book. I didn't want to watch a movie. I didn't want to see pictures moving on a screen. I just wanted to cry. It's got to be so terrible to be a Fantastic Four fan. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? Because, like... They canceled I the have... comic book run. Y- did they? Well, yeah. This was, like, months before the movie came out. Like, Marvel, for the first time ever... I do remember this, yeah. ...canceled the Fantastic Four run to try and, like, lose interest for the film and dissociate themselves from the property. It's strange, Marvel called it, man. Marvel called it. it, It's strange. I, I, I can't recall a time that I've ever seen something like this where the... I mean, obviously Marvel didn't come out and say that. There's no way that a Marvel PR person was like, fuck this, we're going to cancel the Fantastic Four to lose interest in the movie. But it does sound, when you hear all of these stories, it, it's there's a pattern here. They can't all be false. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are things, too, where, like, um, I mean, even Simon, what, I think it's Simon Kenenberg, 
Uh, he, he, he produced this film. He produces, to my knowledge, all of the Fox Marvel properties with the exception of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying, yeah, you know, we're really excited. We're going to build up this universe. And, and that's kind of what Fan Stick felt like. It, it felt like they were making a film to make other films. Like, at no point did this movie have a coherent story. It was all like the Amazing Spider-Man movie where they're setting up for Sinister Six or they're setting up for future movies or they're setting up plot threads. And that's what this whole movie was. It was a setup to nothing and a payoff to nothing. Um, and yeah, this movie is being so poorly reviewed that he backed right the fuck up out of that statement. Like, they're like, oh, so are the Fantastic Four and X-Men going to meet? And I was like, uh, I, I think the universe should stay separate. <laughs> Like yeah, I, Jesus fucking Christ! They, this movie. They were there. There were some uh, rumors early on about them doing that merge, but I, I don't see what the point would be. But now that we're talking about it, Fox hasn't come forward to cancel the sequel. The last I heard, they wanted to move forward with it. Well, I mean, it's it's been speculated, very very much speculated, not confirmed, not double confirmed by a long shot. That um, in lieu of the Fantastic Four sequel that we're supposed to get in, I think, 2018, uh, they're replacing that slot with a sequel to Deadpool. That's what I heard. It's not confirmed, so I'm just putting that out there. I hope to God that's the case, because if I have to sit through another one of these fucking Fantastic Four films, someone's going to pay. And you know, the whole thing is, like, the the original one by, uh, what's it, Roger Cormick, who did the original 1994 Fantastic Four film, which... Didn't get released. Yeah, it didn't get released because it looked like someone made Gumby. And well, I had heard screen. that they just made it so they could retain the rights. That's what it was. It was Roger Cormick's solution because the rights were going to lapse over to Marvel, um, and at that time they needed to have a film in production to retain the rights. It's gotta, so, God, it's gotta suck to be those people, like those the cast members in that movie, because they didn't tell them that this was just going to get like printed and thrown yeah. in the vault. Um, they went out, they had them doing promotional stuff. Like, there's clips from The Tonight Show of them coming out and talking about Fantastic Four. Then they're just like, nope, we never intended to re- release this movie. Yeah, and that, that movie was just You like, can see it online, though. Can you really? Yeah, I haven't. Apparently it's I've seen clips. Yeah, the Red Letter Media guys talked about it. Did um, they? And their, their Fantastic Four review. But I, I can't, I can't fucking imagine how you could watch that. Granted, I haven't seen it. And say, no, this one's going to get shelved. And then watch this piece of shit and say, all right, this is going to go forward with a theatrical release. But, I mean, I guess today it's unheard of to, like, make a movie, have all this big promotional stuff, and then just not release it. Yeah, you don't pull it. I I don't think... With the exception of that movie in the 90s, I can't think of another time that that's happened. Certainly not in this day and age. It's not going to happen. I mean, they already... Uh, even if it bombs, it's still there's there's some money. I'm, I mean, yeah, twenty three million dollars to be made. Jesus Christ! What was the budget? Do you know? One hundred twenty two million. Jesus. But Christ. allegedly they came in ahead of schedule and uh, under budget. Well, yeah, but not a hundred million dollars under budget. Not one hundred twenty one million dollars under budget. No. <laughs> That's that is bad. That is really bad. I don't see how they go forward with a sequel to this. I don't. It can't happen, right? Like, I I think at this point, like the rights to this film, have become more of a hindrance than it would be financially sustainable for Fox to hold on to. I mean, what do they do with it? Yeah, do they want to hold on with it? They can't. There's no way that they make another one, um, terribly no. soon anyway. No, I guess everyone like. It's it's fucking too soon. So do like, they do they go to the Sony route and 
strike up a deal with Marvel. I don't see why everybody doesn't do that. Yeah. I really don't. Because, I mean, yeah, there's. I guess there's a financial incentive, but all of those uh, Sony-backed uh, Marvel Spider-Man movies, I guess not the Avengers, but the other ones, the standalone ones, they're going to have, you know, they're going to get a tremendous cut rights. out of that. Yeah, uh, yeah I so, believe that's how it works. So... Why not do it at, like, like that at that point? Because then you fucking can't Because, I mean, Fox dude. still has that with Star Wars, right? Disney technically retains the rights to the franchise and creative decisions. However, Fox retains the distribution rights. I have no idea how the Star Wars deal works, but I, I know that the, the, the Spider-Man deal, it's, it's complicated, but it, it, it works out in everybody's benefit. But I'm like, if I'm Fox at this point, I'm like, fucking give the X-Men back. You Like, that's... What everybody God, can you imagine wants. A versus X film. That yeah, would be fucking it'd be cool. Crazy dude, you it, it, just printing fucking money at that point. Well, because what Marvel's doing. Even if and Marvel's doing it with like shit tier heroes at this point because they don't have their A list. <laughs> you guys ready for a Black Panther movie? Yeah, I mean, like if they started out with Spider Man and the X Men and all of like the A list Marvel heroes, holy fuck, they're like. Movie making, it would just all be Marvel. It, they would be the only filmmakers at this point. <laughs> I don't see why, especially after this Fantastic Four thing, I got to imagine there's there's executives right now fucking sweating balls wondering what are we going to do to move forward because you can't do that. I mean, yeah, hold on to the rights, but nobody wants to go see another fucking Fantastic Four movie. Not after, after this. this shit. No, and, and you know, I, I think that it just might be toxic at this point. And even if Marvel gets the rights back, I don't know if they're going to do anything with it because they're like, oh, let's make it fantastic. Oh, it's too soon. Yeah, I mean, well, no, like, go the Spider Man route and you put them in, they're there, they're fully fleshed out. We God, just assume that people know who the Fantastic Four God, is. It'd be fucking hilarious if they casted uh, Andrew Garfield as Reed Richards. <laughs> Get, just get him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one way. Have him meet Spider-Man at one point. Go, hey. Uh, fuck you, fella. Yeah, fuck you, kid. It would make sense. He's got a very long neck. Yeah. It would. Yeah, I don't even have to use CGI. <laughs> or go to the Bant Forstick movie and use Play-Doh. Um, but, dear God. And I don't, I don't see, I don't see these actors. I mean, Jamie Bell's a good actor. Like, I don't know what Kamara's. And Michael B. Jordan's a fantastic actor. Um, Miles Teller. No problem I, with the cast of this yeah, movie. Yeah, Miles Teller, I liked him in Whiplash. Um, that's all I know him. I mean, they're not the right ages, but, well, Reed and fucking Sue aren't the right age. I guess Johnny, Johnny could was. still be a teenager. Um, good God, though. Like, this, this has probably dissuaded them from superhero movies in general, or just maybe movies in general, because fuck, how do you work with anyone after that kind of experience? I, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen, like... Josh Trank is probably going to go back to directing YouTube videos at this point. <laughs> He's gonna go back to and directing like, lightsaber fights. Look, Can listen- you imagine that? Like you get your career, like you get noticed by directing a, a, a fucking lightsaber fight on your phone, and you know it, it picks up, and you're getting all these movies, and someone comes up to you and say, "Hey, guess what? You know the new Star Wars movie? You're gonna do it." And then a couple months later, they're like, "You remember that time I told you you're gonna make a Star Wars movie? That's not happening anymore." Yeah. I mean, and I feel bad for him. I mean, like, I'd listen to those those Kevin Smith interviews. He sounds like a nice enough guy. They weren't the most interesting interviews in the world, and it went on way, way, way too long. Um, but even if we assume that, like, all of these rumors are, are false, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's all out there. That's yeah. like, it's like Carlos Mencia. It's like, does he steal jokes? Yeah. Could he admit it at this point? 
doesn't fucking matter. Um, his reputation is what it is. I don't, I don't see how he could bounce back from this very easily. This is his second major feature, so I don't know. I, I Fox will be fine. It's biggest fucking one of the biggest studios in the world, but uh, at you know at this point, like it's just all all the studios that have Marvel property rights, not under Marvel Studios. I feel like at this point, it's just like a dick measuring contest, like. Fox came out too with like we have this new one. It's, it's this hot up and coming director. He just came off of another superhero movie called Chronicle. He's gonna do our Fantastic Four, and they like whipped their pants out and the dick flopped out. And Marvel was like, "Oh, here's all of our next movies for the next twenty years," and this it just slapped on the table. It just deafened our fucking audience. <laughs> You'll cut that out. And uh, and yeah, Fox is backing the fuck up. Like I. I don't know how they... I don't know... They, this franchise can't recover after this. No, this the, this franchise and in this incarnation, it's done. Hey, you can't do another one. You can't. Fucking... I want them... Do they still do E-True Hollywood stories? I want them to do one on Fantastic Four. Like, I, I want to see what happened with this movie. The, it's so much more interesting than the idea of the movie itself to me. Like, I want to know what happened behind the scenes. There's got to be a B-roll somewhere. Yeah. There's got there's got to be enough people in that crew that somebody comes out and does like an expose. Yeah, well, I mean that's what's been happening with all these uh, articles left and right popping up. So yeah, but they're all like nameless people. They're all like, well, well, we would like to be anonymous. That doesn't cut it for me. I want to see somebody come out and be like, yeah, fuck this guy. I want to <laughs> see Josh Trank come out and be like, yeah. Fuck myself. For <laughs> I am the worst. Drew Goddard come out and was like, fuck. I've seen some horrible scripts, but. Jesus Christ. But you know what's interesting to me about the Josh Trank as the villain angle is he did another major movie before. Um, if he was that bad to work for, don't you think? Like, especially in light of, of, of what just happened, you'd think that there would be people coming off a of Chronicle to be like, yeah, you should have saw this coming. Well, I mean, I think, like, what? I don't know. Chronicle was never a film that was talked about, to my knowledge. Like... No, no, but I mean, like, now, in light of Fantastic Four... Oh, in light of this, yeah. um, Yeah, nobody would have cared if it was just Chronicle. They'd be like, oh, look, he's a new asshole director. He thinks he's uh, James Cameron, and he puts out Uwe Boll-quality work. (laughs) I liked Chronicle. Thought it was interesting. See, you know, that was another film where I thought that the the third act made the whole experience just much less enjoyable. Chronicle, I thought, was fine up until the third act, and I hated it. When it became Akira? Yeah, he became Akira for, with shaky cam and not giant flesh monster robot thing mm. and no laser rifles. I think I appre- It's literally nothing like Akira. I think I just, like, I appreciate the idea of that. And I would agree, like, the third act is my least favorite part of that film. I didn't feel like it needed, like, a big... I guess it built towards it, but, you know, that was a really small budget film. And the effects looked great in the beginning when they were, like, minimal. And it was just like, yeah, oh, Yeah, like when they were moving a car. But when they're actually doing, like, something that's coming out of a fucking Superman movie, you're like, oh, this looks bad. <laughs> yeah, I... I they start the to... The scenes become very visible. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll report more on this as it develops, but holy fuck. It's, it's a, it's this is a career-ending film. This, yeah. You remember the director of John Carter? No. Yeah, neither do I. That's because he's wiped off the face of the fucking planet. She was like, John Carter, I mean, the most I ever heard about that movie was it was underwhelming. 
Like, I never heard anything. Like, this is a fucking soap opera behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, people at Disney were fired for John Carter. Yeah? Yeah. I say I don't know anything about that movie. Had no interest. Um, it looked stupid. It was stupid. It was stupid. How do you fuck it? Well, right. I mean, to, to be fair, John Carter of Mars, like the Warlord of Mars, Princess of Mars, like that. Uh, that classic story. It's, it's a classic good. story. It's not one that I would say would necessarily translate to film in the best ways, but anyways, anything else to say on this matter? Not really. So uh, the next thing. <laughs> so I went on Facebook this morning. Okay. Um, six people post this story. It's one. It's trending on Facebook. It's, it was trending on Twitter when I looked. Um, everybody was super fucking through the roof. They're like, the new James Bond has been cast. Oh yeah. And so I texted and, you. Like yeah, after you I, me. I read the first like three paragraphs at the end. I'm like, oh cool. This is a. Uh, then it turns out okay. So let's just. <laughs> so listen. what happened when you texted me? I was like, they cast James Bond, and you're like, is it Idris Elba? I'm like, no, but it is a black guy. I hadn't heard of him because I didn't see Selma, David Oyelowo. Yeah, his name. yeah, he said, like, oh, it's this guy, like, I haven't heard of him. His name's David Oyelowo. And I was immediately like, oh, fuck, I know him. He was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. He was great. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I was thinking, like, something seems wrong. Like, if it was an announcement of this caliber because I didn't hear it, if it was an announcement of this caliber, I would have heard about it by this point. So I, yeah, I, I literally just woke up and, like, looked at the computer. <laughs> so I immediately I went to Twitter and I searched... James Bond. Oh, that's exactly what I... Like, I had that article, and I'm talking to you, and I'm reading it down a little bit further. I get to paragraph four. Yeah, and then I... And they're like, oh, he's voicing him in an audio book. (laughs) Yeah. And let me tell you something. The way this news was presented is, like, the most clickbaity fucking thing that I've ever seen. Because every person that posted that on Facebook, they weren't like, oh, celebrate for... Black audiobook Bond. Because no one gives a shit. But how strange is that? Because he's just coming off of Selma, which is this huge movie, um, like award-winning film, and playing Dr. Martin Luther fucking King. And now he's cast in an audio... Like, who, why would you cast an A-list actor in an audiobook? I mean, it's, it's happening... Because it's not like Morgan Freeman, where you get him for an audiobook because everybody knows his voice. He's still kind of like an up-and-comer. I wouldn't call him... Nece- he, he's definitely... It's like getting Miles Teller now to narrate a drum manual. Yeah, it'd be like, why? You could get anybody. Yeah, any, literally pay anybody. pay nothing. Like, I'll fucking be bonded in an audiobook. You could pay me $30. <laughs> I'll read that entire sixteen hundred page book. But what I like most about you to sleep. What I like most about this is like, well, if he's just reading the book, then technically he's also the first male to be playing Money Penny, probably. Or the first <laughs> black guy to play playing Q and M and just everyone. It's a historic day for James Bond. I mean, but my other favorite part of the story, keep reading back down, keep getting there. Um not even the first black guy to read him in an audiobook. So that was a lie, too. What? Because they said, oh, huzzah, the first black James Bond. No. Apparently, later on in the article, they said some other guy did it in, like, the 80s. Jesus. <laughs> so it was all a lie. <laughs> This was is what a, journalism is. This is what and this Buzz wasn't like is. a. No, that wasn't BuzzFeed. It wasn't BuzzFeed. That was like Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, oh man. I mean, I remember, Internet, dude. I remember you texting me something, too, and you said, 
And you said you said that you were gonna write an article. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna write my own article that says Tracy Morgan tapped as the first Black American actor to play Doctor Who, in a piece of fan fiction I thought about writing in ninth grade. You, we would be that's gonna put us on the map, dude. That's, that's gonna, you're gonna have to. Off time radio to, is going to explode. You're gonna have to put that somewhere now. Yeah. I want to start doing like a blog. Jesus Christ. Call it the Otter Blotter. Just like fucking Jesus Christ. Man. Yeah, I. <laughs> Why can't we get press passes to New York Comic Con? I look, look. You know what? We should because <laughs> look, Wall Street Journal probably gets fucking press passes and they post that shit. I have never steered you wrong, listening audience. Um, I only report the news as it comes to me. Uh, I don't clickbait you. I don't say, "Oh, you get to see Michael's tits in this episode." You'd be like, "Oh, it's audio only." <laughs> um. <laughs> Just describe them for like half an hour. <laughs> Michael Hollier's the first Asian American. To show his penis on a podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ. Probably not. Probably not, no. They have video podcasts, but an audio podcast? Maybe hasn't happened yet. Oh, God. Anyways. I I just... (laughs) Fuck this. What's going on? I was so happy. I was so happy. I was like, awesome. That's great. Because um, we've been talking about it for ages. And I'm like, okay, so it's not Idris Elba, but it's it's somebody. It should be Idris Elba. <laughs> how old is he? He might be a little bit too old for Bond. He's not too old for Bond. Have you seen how suave that motherfucker is? Uh, he yeah, delivered, he's perfect, he delivered like... a line that said, Today, we're concerned the apocalypse. And I <laughs> completely believed him. Hey, man, <laughs> I, look, no, I think he's a brilliant choice. But you gotta, like, when you're casting Bond, that's a, like a 10-year commitment. So if he's, like, in his 40s, you don't want to have, like, a... Well, though, fucking Roger Moore played him into his, like, 60s. Yeah. He is 42. Wow. He could still fucking do it. I'm yeah, he can do he it. Can do, he can do it. I remember when people were giving him shit over playing Heimdall in Thor. And then, and then he was Heimdall in Thor, and he was probably, like, the second best part of that movie next to Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. So. Yeah, those Thor movies. I mean, Tom Hiddleston's great, but, uh... Not a big fan of the Thor films. Neither no, one of them. I mean, it was. It was. I didn't it hate was... the first one. I just thought it was like, nah. No, they're they're perfectly like they're perfectly fine. It's just not a movie I'm gonna be like. You know, a movie was fucking great. Thor. It's just a movie like, all right, I can see where they're doing with the Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. It was, it was definitely probably the most experimental of their films. Because up till then, so? they yeah. Because up till then they did, um, Iron Man one. Uh, which was a very gritty, grounded comic book movie, and then they went straight to fucking. Well, they did I Iron Man two. Iron Man one gritty. Well, grounded. Yeah. It was grounded. Sure. Yeah. And then they did Iron Man two, Incredible Hulk, um, somewhat believable. But then after that, they s- jumped straight into magic, which is uncharted territory for that. And uh, oh yeah, I but I mean, if they were going to use Thor, I mean, Thor was one of their more recognizable characters that they were still, you know, able to use. So they kind of had to. Yeah. Like, how I do mean, you do a how do you do I, a gritty Thor? Yeah, how do you, I, how do you, how does Christopher Nolan direct Thor? <laughs> like, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they, it was pulled off to the best possible ability that it could have been pulled off. Sure. You know, I thought Kenneth Branagh was an excellent I choice. I don't know. Kenneth Branagh's great. I love Kenneth Branagh. That's not what I meant. I think it could have been a better movie still. So? Yeah, like, I, I don't, I, it's not because of the magic or anything like that. I think that was all fine. But uh, 
Like, you could make it... A, anything could be a better movie. That's fair. Well... Fan four stick. Oh, I mean, that could, it, it could be have a, been. easily. It, it's <laughs> not with look, the material you're starting they had, at the bottom. Yeah. You're starting at the rock bottom. The rock Anything bottom. that they do is better. God fucking, I don't. If someone honestly, like, if someone gave me the choice, like, you would have to sit for nine hours and watch all the Twilight movies, or Fan four stick three times. Yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> anyways, we're moving off. Moving on to good news. Um. I was out in Long Island this past weekend, um, or I was there oh, for, really? one, for, one, for one day, yeah. My sister came into town and she was visiting the, uh, her husband's family. They live out in, way, way, way out there in, uh, Long Island, so I took the a- The boonies? And the boonies, yeah. So I took a train, it was a lovely property, it was beautiful, it was awesome, we got to see the whole family. Um, had no cell phone or internet connection for, like- Why? 16 hours. I- They are out there. Really, really out there. Yeah. How far out there could it be? Let's get this a second pass. This is really loud in my headphones. Um, the train ride itself was two hours. Or or not. <laughs> the, the train ride itself was two hours. <laughs> I just said, get this a second and then you're like, I don't give a shit. Okay. Yeah. Right, we'll the the train ride out. itself was two hours, and I took another car ride for another like 30 minutes. So Long Island, it's it's a lot of territory. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a long island. It is a long, island. long island, yeah. So, at... Around 9 o'clock, when I was finally getting back on the train, uh, I finally got back onto Twitter, and the first thing that popped up while you were away, it was like, it was fucking Christmas morning, it was Matt Ryan standing there, saying, Hello everybody, the rumors are true, the trench coat is being dusted off, and Constantine it's going to be in season four of Arrow. Your Matt Ryan kind of sounds like Ringo Starr. Does it really? I don't know. <laughs> do your Matt Ryan. I, I don't can't. have a Matt Ryan. Do, do Matt Ryan. He he has like a northern accent, so I guess here. Lots right of place. planets have a north. Yeah. Was it, that was a lot. All, all the planets have a north. That was a Doctor Who ref. Anyways, anyways, um, so yeah, fucking John Constantine is going to be in season four of Arrow, which. Season yeah. three of Arrow didn't imbue me with a lot of confidence for the direction of the show, but it's like, season four, Arrow. yeah. I'll watch it now. Yeah, you finally have a reason to watch Arrow. Yeah, dude, that's cool. I mean, at least is you know what I really hope this translates to. I think that uh, hopefully this will give Warner Brothers enough confidence to purchase the rights. The, well, Warner Brothers has the rights. No, NBC has the rights. No, it, it it's licensed through Warner Brothers. Oh. They've always had the rights to... Uh, oh, right, because DC property. Yeah. Um, put him in the fucking movies, dude. If it works like this, maybe he's the, the guy that could come in and out... Because, like, their universes aren't connected, but now I guess the television universes are sort of connected. Well, three of them. Like, are we going to see him on fucking Supergirl and Titans? Fuck, I hope he's in Titans. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be really cool. Because can you imagine teenagers dealing with John Constantine-level shit? Look, you put Constantine anywhere, it's going to make a show better. Like, I don't care. Or Nightwing gets ambushed by a succubus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, TVMA, everybody. But anyways, um, no, yeah, no that's, that's very that's fucking exciting. fantastic news. Yeah. Uh, as of now, they only have a one-episode deal, so he's not going to be a recurring character. Yet, however, I do hope. Well, it's going to be the season finale or something, right? Is it? I'm not sure. I thought that I read that. I could be wrong. Um, but I do hope that this does show the popularity of the character and the draw that he has, both critically and commercially. Well, he's and the third most famous comic book character of all time. Yeah, next to Batman and Superman, if you pull three characters. Um, 
but uh, this, it, I mean, it's perfect. It would work out absolutely perfect for the CW because Supernatural is in its 10th year running. It's in its final season. Uh, so that's going to end. So if they picked up the rights to Constantine after the season of Arrow aired, you would have a show to fill that spot, that gap, which would almost be the same content except a little darker. And it's perfect because fucking Supernatural stole all their stories from Hellblazer anyways. So That might be a little bit tricky. You think so? Like, I agree with you 100%. I think that would be an awesome direction to take. But with the, with the way that the rights work, I think it... To get him as a character, because Warner Brothers owns the rights to John Constantine as a character, mm-hmm. but NBC likely owns John Constantine as rights. a television show. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were shopping the rights around anyways. Yeah, so it's true. not like they're they're Fox and just holding on to it out of spite mm-hmm. because fuck you. I mean, that's what happened with. Well, Fight they could very well turn into that. Like, uh, if they see that this other network has it and it's. Basically, I mean, the reason Constantine was on NBC was uh, to compete with Supernatural. So now that they no longer have that as competition and they're just really giving it away to CW, I don't know. I mean, optimistically, hopefully, yeah, why not? I I just think, dude, fucking put it on HBO. Just put Hellblazer on HBO and make it fucking True Detective with magic. Holy shit, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I really wanted to go to Netflix, but that's not happening, apparently. But they're bringing back the uh, the director for a majority of the episodes of Constantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be on set to consult with the directors of Arrow and the writing crew and staff so they can get the most accurate representation of the character, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is fantastic because the, the Constantine TV series, um, after it got its footing down, it they had it. Yeah. They had it. And Matt Ryan, he understands the character, he knows the character, and... I think it's it's just the perfect combination, mm-hmm. the perfect possible iteration of the character that could oh, be. Oh, I don't will disagree that they had it, but uh, yeah, well, he's the, the picture perfect John Constantine. I still think like it was fundamentally wrong for an, uh, a, a network like NBC. Yeah, I still think it's kind of a little bit wrong for a network like CW, but and here's why: like Supernatural works, and they lift a lot of material from the Constantine mythos, but the Constantine himself is a character. A dark character. He's is a depressing not, character. He's he's not uh, the two fucking brothers from Supernatural. Well, he's part not TV friendly anyways. Yeah, part yeah. of Supernatural's appeal. He could be. Because, like, fucking King Joffrey's not TV friendly. Oh, fucking, again, that's HBO. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, HBO would be the perfect outlet because then you could do it literally. It could be like the old fucking Vertigo comics. Um... On NBC, or on, on CW, it makes a little bit more sense because there are other DC characters there and they could interact in that world, and that's cool. But, uh, you know, part of Supernatural is just, like, you got two sexy young male leads to court, like, the teen girl demographic, or the Michael Holly demographic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Constantine, John Constantine, look, teen girls aren't swooning for John Constantine. I, I don't know. Have you shown Matt Ryan's picture to people? No, I'm just saying, like, the character himself, he's a fucking, he's older, he's a smoker. He's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. He's, 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 he's not. <laughs> he's an asshole. He's, he's not popping he's, up on Tiger Beat magazine, is what I'm saying. Like, he's not popping up on what? Tiger Beat magazine. It's the like, fuck is that? It's like the quintessential, uh... This is the most famous like teen girl magazine. And you, of you don't course, have a subscription? I don't. I masturbate but you apparently to it frequently. Do. I like all the Bieber facts. Um, not anymore. Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, now he's a dick. He hurt me. 
But, uh, but no, I really want to see where this episode goes. Um, I think, if I mean, if nothing else, if they see how well he works, if he's just fucking like a reoccurring character on that show, yeah. that would make me happy. Dude, because I, I need more. <laughs> I need more. I, I need my fix, fucking, I want to see him in the fucking cinematic universe. Like, it's I want to see a real Constantine movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we take... Again, like the two thousand what five six? Yeah, whenever the fuck it was. Keanu Reeves Constantine film, um, and replace Keanu Reeves with Matt Ryan and have Matt Ryan's. It's almost perfect, but like you would have to, because it's just the way that the Keanu Reeves character it it looked like it was written for Keanu Reeves, like just to put just to put um, him in there and like have him read those lines. It still wouldn't work. You'd still need to make him a little bit more Constantine. Yeah, no, I mean like have him there. Like I'm sure he would like improvise a lot. Oh sure. It would be uh, it'd be easier to write for it too because you'd be able to see Matt Ryan being able to do that kind of pull thing. it off, yeah. But Whereas, like when you write for Keanu Reeves, you're writing for let's just say somebody who can't act very well. <laughs> he's got his he's got his thing that he does, and that's fine. John Wick was fantastic. I watched John Wick. I got around to watching it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's I told a very you. Pretty movie. This was the fucking movie where I'm like, hey, you want to go see John Wick? No. Um... But no, I mean, I I think I mean we did. I don't know. We probably talked. We talked about it already. I remember. Um, Guillermo del Toro's not doing Justice League Dark. Yeah. So. He's doing a TV show instead. Well, he's doing Pacific Rim Two instead. Yeah. Well, he didn't say specifically that Justice League Dark can't happen. But right he's, now, he wouldn't it's, be attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in production hell. I would. He'd be so great for it. Yeah, but, uh, and you know, considering what Warner Brothers like the directing choice that they're, I mean, with the exception of Ben Affleck, who's a legitimately good director, they'd be like, and the person directing, you know, Justice League Dark is the fucking guy who made the remake of Poltergeist. Like, <laughs> no, well, that'd be too fitting. They'd say like the the people who directed. I don't fucking know. Well, Cars three. Well, you already got fucking James Wan directing uh, Aquaman, so you can't you can't have him direct <laughs> Justice League Dark at well as well. You know, I was you thinking get one about... of those Bloomhouse horror guys. <laughs> I was thinking about James Wan and uh, also nothing against Bloomhouse, fucking. And uh, just saying, what happened? To the They've past... liked a lot of our stuff. Really? Yeah, those uh, Whiplash people. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, shout out to them, by the way. They're awesome. It's just a strange studio when you think about it. They make. I mean, they know what they're doing in terms of uh, turning a profit on, like, films. really, really cheap movies. Um, but you, Whiplash and Paranormal Activity... Not Paranormal Activity. Fucking Sinister and all of that stuff. Those are the same studio. I'm like, <laughs> what? They do... It's James Wan and then a bunch of, you know, Oscar people. <laughs> I got nothing against James Wan. Let me tell you that much. Like, I, I did like the first... Uh, what is it? Movie with the fucking Insidious. Insidious, yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, I just yeah. I like the first Saw too. I, I I do yeah I did like the first Saw. Um, yeah. Anyways, what else we have to talk about? What else is on the agenda? I don't day? know, man. You know, um, what I was gonna say about the Justice League Dark movie. Uh, we brought it up a while ago, but the first leak for the Suicide Squad script basically was the plot for Justice League Dark. the first Justice yeah. League Dark arc and we know that um fucking what is her name she's not the Scarlet Witch Enchantress is in it and she was you know the big bad and like looking at her in the tub and shit 
That's not dirty. But you know, the, like, you the see her in the, the trailer, yeah, where she's in like, this dirty bathtub. Yeah. Um, it, it looked like that exact image was in fucking um, Justice League Dark. So I'm thinking, if you have a character like that, she's like an uber fucking powerful. And it even makes sense to have Batman in the movie because he's he was in that arc as well. Um, Batman, pieces are coming like, together. The actual Justice League were there, and super like she almost kills Superman because Superman's weak against kryptonite and magic. They don't talk about the magic one that often because it's stupid, but it is canon. <laughs> so like they, she, he, he flies out to go like grab her, and she's like tearing him to shreds. It was actually a really cool image just to see Superman getting like almost murdered. And so Batman tries to, you know, do a Batman gambit where he's going to go solve it himself. But then Zatanna kind of, uh, she's with him, and she turns the tables on him and, like, locks him in a place. And she's like, the world needs a Batman, but the world will get along just fine if I die. And so she goes, and they assemble the Justice League Dark. And it was a really good fucking first arc, honestly. But, uh... Yeah, Suicide Squad. How was... I still haven't read that uh, Justice League Dark. How was their... John Constantine, because that's really all I care about. He's I could give a he's, shit about him. He's Zintana. really good. I liked him. Um, he's an ass, like a fucking ass, <laughs> like a contemptible yeah. asshole. Yeah. Well, I, we we have, we were just talking about um, yeah the, the new run of Constantine Hellblazer, hmm. and um, when you were first describing it to me, like I I was really I was it got me more excited about it because when I heard that the DC was rebooting rebooting their run of Constantine. Go ahead. Are you done? No. Oh. Clicking noises. Fuck, I lost what it was. Oh, when they're rebooting, rebooting Constantine, I was a little skeptical because I didn't want them to overcompensate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Vertigo, their run of Constantine, it was very... I wouldn't say soft-spoken, you know, but it was... Almost restrained. Understated, like it, yeah. Yeah, it, it was understated, yeah. And I didn't want them to... It was a very toned-down version of the character. Yeah, and I didn't want them to, like, seeing what they did with the new 52 version of Constantine to have, like, the lupus effect and be like, oh, we're going, like, super, 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 super dark and super, super, super explicit and super, right. super, super... And that made me cautious, but, you know, you gave it your stamp of approval, so I went and got the first three issues yesterday, and uh, I read it, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't um, read the third issue yet. I have heard it. the third issue already. Bought um, it, kind of put it down, and haven't gotten to it. Yeah, it's it's very... It's, I do that a lot with comics. It seems very much like this is the creators going, okay, we get it, we hear you, we're bringing back John Constantine. Yeah. So he is that... He, he's not... My problem with the John Constantine from the New 52, it felt like he was going through the motions of being an asshole. Like, he wasn't a legitimate asshole. He was just kind of going through the emotions of it. He's a phony. He's a phony! Yeah, but um, this one, like, you see he is a dick. And it's not, like, stereotypical dick things, but he is just a person who does not care. Mm-hmm. And that's, at his core, what John Constantine is. He's haunted by the fact that he has to care he so much. He thinks he doesn't care. But he, yeah, he has to think he doesn't. It's yeah. a defense mechanism, really. Yeah, and that's why... He's such an asshole, and he pushes everyone away because everyone that he knows and loves dies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they're they're doing it this way. The way that the New Fifty Two handled John Constantine, from what from the what little I read, was uh, they had placed him more so in the DC universe than they did from his original Hellblazer roots. Right. So when he had to talk to a character, I was like, oh, let's let's just drop Zatanna in here because uh, that's going to be cool, right? People are going to get that, or let's throw another DC name characters because it's a kid. It has to be, it has to converge. It has to make sense. Um, but in this one, they have like shots. Everyone. Yeah, take shots. That is a police siren. A very loud one at that. Yeah. Um, this one, they, they do very much like what they did with the original Hellblazer run, where they'll talk about people, and they'll bring in, like, old friends, and you accept that, you know, he has this relationship with people because it feels so natural and organic. Yeah. Uh, so instead of name-dropping just random DC characters, because, I mean, he's in fucking... Oh, yeah, they take it takes place in New York City again. Um, like the old Vertigo run did at points. Uh... But no, they'll talk about like Gary Lester and all his old friends. <laughs> he name drops. Uh, what was the restaurant? Momofuku. Oh yeah, they name drop Momofuku. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's really good. It feels more like the Vertigo Run than, than even the end of the Vertigo Run. Like the end of the Vertigo Run, even at the as much as I loved Vertigo, the end of that original Constantine Hellblazer Run was it got a little rough. They kind of wore them. They they kind of ran out of things to do with the character. Sure. Uh, which is understandable because that arc went on for like what fifty years or something like that. Fifty? No, not fifty. <laughs> that's an that's an overstatement. It went on it went on for longer than it should have. Really? Yeah, I'm really a good ten fifteen years maybe. Yeah, um, but um, but no, this this it's a new not fresh take, but it, it's a, it's a new return to origins for Hellblazer. Yeah, it just the thing that I liked about it was that it. It it felt like they were just yeah you already said it it's a, they brought it back to his roots they they weren't trying to Disneyfy him they weren't trying to make it new and edgy they were just bringing back Constantine well, it's, it's got an edge to it but are you talking about his hairstyle oh god the fucking I can never think of that musician's name that popularized Sting? that hairstyle no Sting oh. Sting's hair he, that was the original Constantine yeah, Constantine was modeled after Sting yeah. Fuck. Um, <laughs> He looks like Sam something. I don't know. He's some popular British singer, but he's got... It's like where it's just kind of shaved at the sides and it's longer on the top. That's what it looks like. Well, if it makes you feel better, they completely changed that in issue three. They did that to the Joker, too. That's the Joker's oh, hairstyle. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why does they, everybody have that hair? They, I don't know what it is. It dates it. You know what? Because it's like it's like you look back at like the 90s, the early 90s Superman run where he has a mullet. Nobody could take that fucking seriously. It was it was a product of its time. That hairstyle is not going to be here 10, 15 years from the future. And granted, it's not going to look quite as bad as the mullet because it's still a little natural looking. But, um, fuck. Yeah. No, I mean... Fuck the mullet is what I'm saying. <laughs> fuck the super mullet. <laughs> blame the man like his hair grows how does he cut it how does he how do you cut superman's hair they've answered this question gillette um i don't know if they finally did that but that was a big promo <laughs> but because i posed that question before they did the gillette thing because they released the uh, the trailer and everybody was just like yeah how does he shave so i, I said something about that on facebook and my friend patrick uh who's a huge superman fan he's like well this uh, they've gone about it in various different ways over the years the most accepted one is that he uses a mirror and his own laser vision jesus christ um yeah no well it's back to constantine they, they do changes they change the art style a little bit in issue three which is a little jarring because someone walks on and they're like john constantine you're like oh is it um which, I mean, Hellblazer, 
that, like, it changed the art style, like, from arc to arc, which is fine, but doing it so suddenly, I mean, normally you establish a consistent art style for a particular run and then change it in the next story arc, but it's when they did it right off the bat. It doesn't bother me because he looks like old Vertigo John Constantine, and that's cool, but I just started to, like, be okay with the new Constantine they have. It did have, it. like, an, a unique style to it. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I loved the first two issues, the art in the first two issues. I did. I really liked it. Yeah, but I'm like, if they change it, it, as long as they don't change it for the worse, I'll yeah. be okay. As long as it's the same writing team. Yeah. That happened to uh, Batwoman. And early on the New 52. The first, like, six issues of Batwoman were ridiculously beautiful. Like, beautifully drawn. It looked like fucking fine art pieces that you could hang up any particular panel. Then on, like, the sixth issue, it goes and it reverts to this weird... It looks like it may as well have been fucking Garfield at that point. I'm like, oh my god, this is such a downgrade. Well, I mean, what happened in... Happened uh... with Batwing, too. All the other superfluous Bat characters. Well, what happened in the... I think it was the... Was it, I don't know if... I can't remember if it was the original or the second rebooted iteration of the Japanese anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, Evangelion? Evangelion. Um, Is that how they say it? Yeah, Evangelion. Yeah, and... It's, evang- it's Evangelion. And it's what like happened evangelism. was... That's uh, not how they say it. That's how you say it, you twat. No, Neon Genesis <laughs> Evangelion. They say that in the movie? Yes, they fucking say it. Watch it. you know it. what evangelism is? I don't give a shit. Um, it, it, <laughs> you know what neon genesis is? Don't care. No. Because <laughs> that's not a word. I mean, be. those are two words <laughs> in and of themselves. Words. You slap them together and it no longer Stop. means anything. But um, <laughs> what happened with that series is um, it, it was beautiful and had contained like some of those Akira-esque beautiful beautiful, beautiful artwork and animation and it was all handcrafted and about halfway through, they ran out of money. Um, so it, it, translated from, <laughs> it translated from them like having to draw tens and billions of you know, pictures for per fucking second uh, to them, and I should you not literally... It turns into South Park halfway through. <laughs> it did! It was a still image of like the Evangelion, or the, the fucking suit in space, and it it was on a paper, and I swear to God, they just took a camera and shook the paper in front of the camera. <laughs> like, oh, okay. If you've that's seen it, you know bad. what I'm talking about, but that's all it's. I'm aware of that property. I've seen pictures. It's depressing. It's oddly, like, Christian-themed. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so thank you for joining us this week. Uh, my name is Gian Gomez. My name is Michael Haller, still embittered about Fantastic Four, but excited about John Constantine. And my name is Josh Trank. And my last name is Haller. That, that was my name. Uh, a week. End? End. Well, they listen to this at the end of the weekend. So have a good beginning of the week? Have a good whatever the fuck you want. I'm not, I'm what, if they, what if they listen to it a couple days after? I'm not here to tell you what to do. No, well, the fact you, you is, literally they, tell the us fact what... is, they don't listen to it at all, so it doesn't matter. Some That's people listen to it. Well, you listen to it. Yeah, I listen to it on the subway here. Well, how about this? How about this? For for future Tyler Pino listening to this podcast, fuck you. Have a good night. <laughs>